Hi, my name is Josh Hannaberry, and welcome to the Truck Focus Podcast. At the Truck Focus Podcast, our mission is simple. I want to connect transportation industry leaders to the industry to help create a pivotal change. Over the last decade, I've been fortunate to connect with several transportation industry leaders that have had a positive impact on my life, and I look forward to connecting them with you. Hey, good day. Uh, on today's episode, I'm super excited to introduce two industry experts that have been instrumental in my personal life as well as my professional life um, as I grow, not just in the realm of transportation compliance, it's definitely something that we're going to talk about, but just my care for people in our industry. Um, so who I'm talking about is Charlotte Bellis and Kyle May. They're the team behind Alberta Rose Transport Compliance. Kyle is a third-party auditor for tra- or Alberta Transportation. And Charlotte is a new carrier compliance reviewer. Between them, they bring to the table several years of experience in the transportation industry, management, and operations leadership and legal compliance, which gives them a unique perspective on safety compliance. Their highly sought-after programs have allowed transportation companies from East Coast to West Coast to save time, money, and confidently face national safety code audits. So just wanted to say welcome. Thank you so much for hopping on today, guys. Hey, thanks for having us, Josh. Hey, Josh. So awesome. So I'll just dive right into it. Um, I'll kind of start um, with Charlotte, if that's okay. And then Kyle, if you want to talk, I guess you can too. No, I'm just kidding. So Charlotte, if you just wanted to quickly describe, um, essentially, who are you? What makes you tick? What makes you, you? Absolutely. So yeah, I have um, uh, started off with a career um, in the legal field um, and then kind of moved over into management and operations uh, and kind of in a roundabout way, safety compliance. And prior to um, kind of um, joining Kyle in Alberta Rose, I actually have my own business as a virtual assistant and uh, online business manager. I have clients all over the world. And uh, as Alberta Rose really started to take off, um, I kind of stepped in to uh, help Kyle and um, then decided from there. Initially, wasn't really kind of interested in uh, becoming a third party auditor. I started off behind the scenes. But uh, as time kind of went on, I thought, you know, um, actually, this is something I I, I really enjoy doing. So I became a new carrier compliance reviewer and uh, recently completed the crossover training to become a third party auditor. So I'm due to kind of step into that role here in the next few months. Awesome. Yeah, super exciting. And I think that's a big win collectively for ARTC, but also for the province and carriers in Alberta. Good job. Um, How about you, Kyle? What makes you you? Yeah, what makes me me? That's that's a convoluted question, but I can I can tell you kind of how I got into the industry. Um, you know what? Years ago, I started out driving a a little pressure truck, class five uh, license, right, for an awesome company at the Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, called uh, Spongworks. Um, and that was great. It kind of gave me a bit of a taste. Um, and uh, but I was quite young, you know. Uh, went to school the whole bit. Kind of got into uh, uh, the. Uh, the idea of wanting to do safety within transportation, um, but didn't really know too much about it. Didn't know uh, what I was going to get into. Certainly didn't know that the National Safety Code was even a thing. So, you know, I fast forward a few years and I decide that I better actually learn more about transportation. Uh, what better way to do it than by giving a class one driver, you know, license and driving a truck. And, and I was fairly naive. Like everybody else who drives down the roads, I... <laughs> It's these, these big, gigantic machines coming down. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's like a pickup just with more wheels, right? Which is completely not true. Uh, so kudos to all the truck drivers out there who actually know what they're doing. So I went ahead. Uh, I took my class one license. I uh, didn't realize at the time that sometimes, especially back in the day, they're teaching you how to pass the test. And that is not a slight on any driving school, right? Driving schools... Uh, uh, are, are awesome. They're great. They're still a business. And so as soon as I was done, I mean, I've always been uh, good at uh, uh, chatting with people. And I decided, you know what? I want to see some of the countryside. What does a real truck driver do? So I talked to my friend who uh, talked to his boss in BC. He had a truck driving company. And <laughs> the longest story short of it is I talked myself into having a job where I drove across North America I had my license for three weeks and never driven anything loaded before. Um, also, <laughs> she've also mentioned that I, 
I didn't know how to split gears because no one taught me. Um, so anyway, I managed to uh, talk myself into this job. I got up there. Uh, you know, I, I did the little drug test. I must have done a couple of other things. I don't really remember. I don't remember much for training. and I certainly didn't know much about logbooks. Um, but I do remember this. I do remember, one, I wasn't giving, given a driver evaluation. And two, I wasn't told, uh, well, I was told by the owner of the company, look, I can't tell you to run two logbooks, but you won't make any money if you don't. And, you know, that's an unfortunate uh, mindset within the industry that we're trying to do away with. But, you know, to make a long story short, I, I got in there and my first trip was to Hollywood, Ohio. So I had to go through the mountains. Uh, you know, I, I went all through uh, Rogers Pass. I went down and went through downtown Chicago. And what I will tell you is that it was practically a suicide mission. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I what I was hauling, but it was lumber or something. It was very, very, uh, it was a very big load. I had to tarp for the first time. Uh, and we're, t- we're not talking tarping like a small load. I'm like way up there having to, uh, uh, you know, I hadn't taken you know, um, well, basically I had to harness myself in, right, to, to tarp this thing up. And so uh, somehow I didn't kill myself and I didn't kill anybody else on the road, but I did decide I needed a better job after that. But all of that, uh, uh, this long story basically collectively uh, brings me to the point where I realized people uh, people don't know what uh, uh, what necessarily is expected of them within the industry. And I realized this, right? I wasn't doing uh, my logbooks correctly. In fact, I I go days on the road without doing the logbook. Why? I was never really taught to do it. I was handed them and I was told, fill these out, right? I looked at them and it was like reading a different language. So, you know, looking at you, uh, somehow I didn't get asked for a logbook if I was stopped or anything like that. I, uh, you know, at least before I I, I stopped, went into a different role. Um, And, so it really kind of gave me a passion. Like uh, it's, it, it was, it, I wanted to see a difference made, right? Uh, I've got family, you've got family, they'll drive the roads. And I don't want someone uh, with three weeks experience like I had driving the same roads uh, that they have. Right. And so they're on. So yeah, I guess that's kind of a, uh, the short, the short and long of it there. Awesome, man. And that, I think collectively just describe why for like, I think we're going on three years of having a relationship now. I've been able to rely on your advice, um, partially because you've been there, you've done it. Um, But I think we all have a really high passion um, for changing that. Here's your, here's your car or here's your truck keys. Here's your logbook. See you later. And And what's, and what's a preacher? What's schedule one? What's, uh, you you know, I mean, you get, you, you, sometimes you're, I guess you told about some of this, right. Uh, In some of the training, sometimes you're not. And you've got to figure it out for yourself. And people, even though I know we go through driver's tests, I know we were taught about how to do a pre-trip uh, we're there, but a lot of people, uh, it, it doesn't stick, right? And we don't realize the importance, right? So, you know, I know a story, for example, of a, a, a gentleman who uh, didn't do a pre-trip in the States. And the tire came flying off of his truck and hit another uh, car in another lane. That person died. He lost his license for five years, went to jail for six months. Um, you know, they couldn't prove he did a pre-trip that day. Why? Because he didn't do one, right? Had he done one? I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the, the, uh, the outcome would have been different. You know, maybe, maybe we're going to save someone's life. Yeah. And there's a little too many of those stories, I think, in our industry, because even though it's big, it's really small. And especially now, social media and just fast access to news, you see all the mistakes. And again, collectively, I think we're more focused on the solutions and simplifying it. So that way, what's, what's the slogan again, Charlotte? The driver's yeah, seat, we keep you there? Yeah, yeah. And, we just keep you there, yeah. And yeah, I think that speaks so loudly to just what is possible. And because, yeah, like I remember I took my class one in eight hours of training and you I don't know, two weeks later, there's no way I could have passed the road. Well, the road test, yeah, driving part, but you want me to do like a level one proper actual inspection during my, uh, like if I had an, another tester there? No, just it's not enough time. So obviously, there's a lot of cool things that we'll get into in this episode and in future episodes. Uh, Melt's one of them. 
Um, but yeah, no, I really, really appreciate your guys' honesty. So when working with clients, um, it's cool from an ARTC perspective, you get to see a lot of different sectors of our industry. Um, so we'll start off kind of out the gate. What do you see as opportunities in our current climate? Just dealing with, I don't even want to talk about the pandemic, but just dealing with the, yeah, where we're currently at. What opportunities do you see for carriers right now? And either can answer whoever wants to juggle it. I think, um, you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, um, you know, given the kind of obligatory nod to COVID, you know, this is a, an opportunity really for everybody to really kind of reassess um, their business model and to reassess um, their operation and what's working and maybe what's not working. And really, I think the secret to any business success is being able to diversify, right? Being able to move with um, the, the, you know, the current market, being able to uh, continuously identify what your clients' needs are and how you can meet those needs. I think there's, right now, there really is a, a lot of opportunity for um carriers and company different companies to really achieve safety excellence i think that um in alberta specifically and if you've been in alberta for any length of time then you you're probably familiar and, and have heard you know core programs which is obviously talks about ohs which is a little different to what we're talking about here today but you know what you know while they're not necessarily siblings they're kind of more like cousins um, you know, it's now commonplace in Alberta specifically that if you want to uh, be able to bid on certain uh, jobs in certain industries, um, if you want to be able to re- be recognized uh, for having a certain level of safety excellence, even having that certain level of safety excellence is required in order to be able to um, have the kind of opportunities here that you want. And so really the entire um uh, image or the entire operation of, of an organization has really grown into that. And it's really commonplace, um, particularly here in Alberta, that, you know, if you go to a work site um, and they have a core program, you know, there are certain things that have to be done and aren't and don't have to be done. And if you don't like it, then that's not the company for you. And I really believe that transportation is moving in that way too. You know, a lot of people see currently as, um, you know, compliance, uh, transportation safety compliance as maybe the government's overreach into you know their business but ultimately the busier um that we get uh, as as an economy and the more people that we have and particularly in previous years you know people have come into alberta uh, for employment opportunities the busier we get the more it is required to implement um certain standards of safety and indeed you know, the national safety code obviously is applicable across canada and so therefore uh, being able to have a certain standard of safety and be able to show you have a certain level of safety excellence is going to set you apart from your competitors because nobody wants a contract on site that's potentially going to jeopardize maybe the, the work that that um, client has put in place, um, you know, over several years. And it's taken them, you know, people say it takes you several years to build a reputation and literally seconds to destroy it. So more and more, I believe what we're going to see is, even in the transportation industry, um, if you want certain opportunities, then you want to break into certain jobs. If you want certain opportunities to open up to you, um, then you are going to have to have a certain level of safety excellence. And I think what will go away is this attitude of, you know, this is an overreach, you know, into what we're doing. And I think more and more what we'll see is this is just what's required. You know, this is the industry you want to work in. This is the, the sand pit that you play in. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned a couple of things there as carriers have to diversify because of opportunities for serving their current client base, but also obtaining new. Yeah. Right now, if a carrier is not familiar with core, but they want to start delivering to certain sites, they're going to have to become familiar with core. And yeah, obviously in the last, I guess it'd be 18 months or so different change. Well, maybe longer than that now. Different changes happen just with your fitness certificate and prerequis- or prerequisites to even apply for one. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I, have, I have plenty of thoughts, Josh. <laughs> I don't know if we've got plenty of time. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, we'll talk about diversifying. Um, so one thing that I speak on as often as I can is, 
it's great when a carrier goes from saying being oil field specific to now they want to haul super bees of lumber through the mountains. Yeah. What, from your guys' perspective, I'll ask two questions. So first is, do you see a lot of that type of shift happening, again, being based in Alberta? And second, what do carriers need to have in place to go even from a provincial carrier oil base to a federal carrier going through the hills? What is some high level, you don't have to be too, too scientific, but are what are some high level things that carriers need to see or need to implement, I'm sorry, that are doing that? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing a huge, um, a huge change within Alberta and within, uh, uh, well, within the whole country right now, but especially within Alberta. Uh, and carriers that were involved in the energy sector, right, transportation-wise, uh, we are seeing them shift. We're seeing, you know, I can think we we run a program where we help carriers with their uh, national safety code compliance, their IFTA pro rate, we help get them lower insurance rates, the whole uh, shebang. And one of the things that uh, uh, that we do is we, we've got we've got a lot of, a lot of clients in a lot of different industries, but especially we have we've several in the oil industry. And I can think of one specifically right now in Lethbridge, uh, uh, you know, among several. But they've they've actually switched their operations from just focusing on uh, being uh, a provincial carrier, right, running. Um, you know, within the province, doing doing work in the oil industry, to so now uh, half their half their operations run in Wampa across uh, into into the states, right, uh, across Canada, and you know uh, another carrier who uh, who's up and left uh, all but left Alberta pretty much because uh, they they haven't been able to keep their uh, their their contracts uh, due to the lack of work, and so now at this point. They are running goods uh, across BC. Their operations moved to BC, and uh, and they they found uh, they found work there. And I, I don't know if you want to kind of add something to this, but I think yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just to really echo what Kyle said. We are definitely seeing right now in the current climate um, a lot of carriers who have provincial safety fitness certificates um, electing to go. Um, as a federal um, carrier with a federal operating status. And I think the the, the biggest change really um, that they're probably going to see initially uh, will be um, the obviously hours of service regulations. Um, federal and provincial hours of service regulations are completely different. And, you know, the, the, the challenge that we have in Alberta, which is um, unique to us, um, and also potentially Saskatchewan because they too um, have two operating statuses, is that carriers can either register for a, safe, a federal safety fitness certificate or a provincial. Um, aside from Alberta and Saskatchewan, the rest of Canada, it's just federal. And so sometimes that can give uh, uh, cause a lot of confusion um, amongst drivers because t- typically as a driver, you don't just work for a federal carrier or a provincial carrier. You've probably worked for both. And so the hours of service rules are completely different in both. And so one of the, the biggest factors is, you know, before, obviously, aside from doing all of the work to uh, to change the safety fitness certificate, is making sure drivers are educated in um in the federal hours of service, um, and also not even just making sure they're educated on that is usually we would recommend re-going, recapping the um, the other courses, you know, the weights and dimensions, the cargo or loads equipment, the trip inspections, because it could have been, you know, a little bit of time, um, you know, from having done it previously. But aside from that, it's not just the federal hours of service, it's now being able to manage your fuel tax and your registration in such a way that is beneficial for your business. As a um, an Albertan carrier, obviously the fuel tax that you pay goes to Alberta. The registration that you fees go to Alberta. The registration fees that you pay go to Alberta. But when you are traveling outside of the province, whether you're going anywhere else in Canada or even the US, Mexico, um, you are obviously using their roads. And as a commercial carrier, your vehicle has a much bigger um, impact on their um, infrastructure. You're using their fuel. And so therefore, um, there is a uh, financial liability in terms of registration and uh, fuel. And so, you know, potentially, depending on how often you're going to be going outside of the province, Rather than applying for trip permits, it may be a case that you are actually now looking to apply for and manage IFTA and prorate so that you are you're doing that annually or quarterly uh, rather than just paying in, in a bunch of permits. I think I just want to add as well, you know, a lot of companies that are uh, 
having to switch right from maybe a provincial to a federal status or uh, they are are you know moving base or whatever whatever that might be I mean as you know Josh that uh, you know the the national safety code is made up of 16 different guidelines right however the provinces set their legislation according to those those guidelines so you're going to find different variable uh, variables from province to province to province right for example if you're in BC um, your you know simple, simple little things as simple as the, the driver files your uh, abstracts are going to have to be you know the preceding 10 days right whereas in Alberta it's the preceding 30 days right you're you're, you're doing uh, CVIPs uh, twice as often at the this point in time, or at least a little bit ago, uh, BC didn't have to follow schedule uh, schedule one. However, you know, uh, you go across the country and there's all sorts of different things. Or you get to Nova Scotia and suddenly we're looking at having to have to have, uh, drivers are having to have first aid training, where as in Alberta, they're not having to have that, right? And so there's all these little uh, different uh, variables throughout each province, right? And it's, it's getting to know that. The carriers need to, you know, all of a sudden become aware that, um, even though it's the program is, I mean, the guidelines are fairly similar. Uh, the legislation is going to be different a little bit here and there and enough to make a big enough difference on your operation. Totally. Yeah. You mentioned something too, just in regards to the training where like right now we're dealing with Quebec spring thaw weights. So you yes. can see what is fully loaded in Alberta is completely irrelevant. Once you go a couple provinces over and yeah, just time zone changes and where are you going to sleep and where am I getting fuel? Like, yeah, you touched on some really good points. Huge. Huge. Yeah. So um, it's funny. So one of the things when I first started the Truck Focus podcast, the blog, all of that, is I really wanted to get into the minds of my experts. And anyone listening, not just saying this because they're virtually in front of me, it's this is why I've trusted Kyle and Charlotte for so long, is they're willing to spend the time to dissect what is required in BC all the way to the East Coast. And each, because everyone is different. So obviously, and see like the standards, their guidelines, and then there's provincial, then there's the federal, and then there's, yeah, there's a lot. And that's, again, why I really trust them. So this is my big shout out to Colin Charlotte. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's really good. So, um, so mentioning federal too, obviously, June's right around the corner. We don't need to dissect too, too much just on this topic, but I do feel it's relevant to talk about is the implementation of ELDs. So I know there's a lot of interesting conversations taking place right now, rightfully so, but I want to more so focus on what are your thoughts on an ELD system and what are the benefits an ELD can bring to the carrier aside from waiting on the accreditation and all of that conversation. We can save that probably for another day, but more so, yeah. What is the benefits to a carrier? What are your thoughts on it? And if you wanted to kind of elaborate on that side of it. Sure. I think, um, obviously, aside from, um, you know, being able to ensure that um, every ELD or every logbook, if you like, or electric, you know, electronic log, uh, logging device adheres to certain technical standards, I think there's a lot of uh, benefit to the carry in, in, in the fact that there is uniformity. Right. You know, um, I think some of the challenges that we dealt with with paper logs is that everybody has their own way of completing them. And although, you know, you're still going to get that to a degree because every individual is different, there is going to be certain information that you will be able to ensure is uniform across all of the the, um, the ELDs, all of the, the logs. You also there's also a lot of um, great uh, reporting elements to it too um you know you're able to uh, for a start actually it's a great way to help you manage your uh, your ifta you can actually pull off um your fuel information on there trip information um, which makes your ifta reporting a lot easier you can of course uh, it's a lot easier for a dispatch to be able to um look at and anticipate what hours are there, right? You can actually track your vehicles in real time. You know, you are, uh, you know, if you have, um, you know, a couple of drivers where you're not kind of sure if maybe, you know, they're, they're telling you something and you're not sure, you get to kind of look real time where they're at. Um, you know, and Josh, you really, you, you know, obviously with your industry experience a lot about telematics, but you get, you know, the dash cams with some of the ELDs, you know, that that's something that comes with it, right? Um, there is, uh, the ability to track maintenance. You know, suddenly, uh, if you're doing trip inspections on your ELD, there is the option of being able to uh, log in 
and actually look in real time again what defects are being identified um, and you know making sure that the defects are getting corrected um, having your shop being able to access that too rather than literally again you know having to um, you know share paper in fact we had this conversation with a client of ours you know the maintenance manager said so I need to walk across the yard and basically get all of the trip inspections to kind of go through them to see what their deficiencies were. And I said, well, if you're going to continue to use paper, yes, but you guys are moving towards an ELD. Well, well, um, well no, they, they, the drivers really should be turning them in. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> essentially, yeah. but essentially, yes, you know, yeah. once you're and you get them, yeah, you are going to have to go through them, right, um, if your driver's not telling you. Um, but with, the, you know, the power of an ELD is obviously you can log in and you can actually look at what I, I don't, um, defects have been identified right you can fix them and record it right there um you get to monitor things like fuel speed right which helps with fuel consumption etc so there's actually a myriad of benefits there and i think that um you know to those carriers who are maybe concerned at the change uh, and maybe even resistant to the change um my my advice would be to embrace it because there's actually a lot of benefits that come with them um and Rather than just making sure that you're, uh, quote unquote, adhering to the rules, they're actually a great way of covering yourself as well, right? Because obviously, when things are there in black and white, um, you know, then you're able to prove um, beyond a reasonable beyond a reasonable doubt that you have been um, adhering to your, um, you know, the obligations and the requirements of you under the legislation. Yeah, you touched on some really key points that I think will be the I'd say the hot topics moving forward after June, maybe wait till July or August. But yeah, the so we wrote an article recently um, that was shared in the dispatch, which is an awesome newsletter um, for everyone listening. So I highly recommend you check that out too. And it talked about the cost of downtime just because someone didn't want to say something. So just like the service manager saying, I need to walk across the yard, it's like to Kyle's point, the driver's actually supposed to hand those in. But if someone takes Friday off, they know there's a defect on Thursday, and they don't say anything, then whoever the new person is hops in the truck, oh, I can't take this, it has this wrong with it. Okay, the truck's sitting till what, Monday, maybe Tuesday, by the time the shop can look at it. So yeah, it's super expensive. And then speaking more on just my experience, so I've tested when it was still an onboarding recording device. And the novelty for me, it was an honor to test younger driver, I had a I was part of a fleet and I was the youngest by far. So I think it was just because I was interested in the technology side, but not having to think about, do my hours add up? Like I hate it at the end of my shift. I already worked 11 and a half hours. I didn't want to bust out a calculator because I didn't have like the flip phone didn't have like that they gave me didn't have the calculator. So it was literally had a calculator. They had to calculate every day. And I'm like, this is a waste of 10 minutes of my life. And just those simple mistakes, um, being confident roadside inspection where you think, yes, my hours are good. My log's good. You only work 10 hours a day. You're not going over nothing. But on paper, well, you forgot to actually record the city and your line is a little, uh, all of that concern. It's gone um, from a training standpoint too. So speaking to all the safety officers out there, once you're full electronics, a lot of the ELD systems will have driver coaching systems included, um, or it's a package that you can get. You're coaching based off of data that someone else did. You're not just giving an opinion. So yes. you can come at it from a compassionate, empathetic standpoint. I get it. There's lots of traffic. I get it. You're downhill, whatever. It's just you're sticking to the facts. So I've noticed industry that's already adapted ELDs has really been able to make that shift. Kyle, what's your thoughts? Um, you know, honestly, I, uh, man, I, I think I want to, Charlotte's talked about some really important, uh, important aspects of ELDs. I like to even just go down to, to, uh, and you've got touched on this already, Josh, but, but what I was thinking, I like how it makes the lives of the drivers easier, right? We sit here a lot and we talk a lot about, uh, the carriers, the business and the government, right? What, what sometimes we forget about is the drivers themselves, right? And I, I mean, I was a driver. You were a driver. I know that, Josh. Right? Um, I grew up, uh, you know, at a Rimby, Alberta. For those who uh, uh, those who are aware, I grew up 22 miles west in a little community out by uh, Leedale or Gimlet. And you know, my closest neighbor was a cow, right? And uh, you know, and uh, uh, 
and, and so and so I, I grew up in, in in kind of that blue collar environment where uh, you know my my family members are the truck drivers, right? They are the people going out and uh, doing the physical labor every day, and they're wonderful people, right? And so it does make does make a driver's life easier, right? Right down to as you said, Josh, uh, you know, making sure the locations on the uh on the driver's logs are recorded uh properly right we got a lot of guys who are in a hurry they don't do it correctly they get an audit the auditor picks up on that right um you know you've got uh everything from you know as long as the the names recorded properly on the log i mean that's a time saver in itself the home uh terminal the principal place of address now of course you gotta you gotta remember the home terminal could change but a lot, a lot of these guys, it's staying the same every day, right? And so it can be pre-populated in there, can be put in there, and uh, and the guys, it's just taking, making things a little bit easier for them, right? Um, so, so I guess that's my thoughts there. Also, though, um, I like the I like the telematics side of it. Not where I, I really like. You, you know, uh, as in dash cams or, or the cameras on the trucks, right? You can, um, a proper system, right, can really affect your insurance as well, right? So, and what I mean by that is maybe your, maybe your insurance rates aren't going to go down all the time by you having it just on the truck itself. And it might, but it might prove who was at fault in an accident, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, it's, and if it wasn't your fault, it's pretty easy to see through one of those, through one of those cameras. And I've seen it before. Before, where it's just a clear-cut case where before uh you know it would have been he said she said you know what is oh you know what's what's the case here so so i think there's there's a lot of uh a lot of benefits to what's coming up um and uh and i think some somewhat for some of our older drivers out there we just have to be uh continue to remember to be patient technology has not always been a big part of trucking um and trucking has, has changed over the years a lot. And so, you know, it's a good, it's a good um, opportunity for young drivers and old drivers to meet where the old drivers have a lot to give uh, advice to the young drivers. The young drivers can really help out uh, with the, uh, you know, more of the, the technological side of things, right? So it actually is almost like bridging a gap between our old drivers and our young drivers and actually giving them something uh, you know to communicate on and develop those relationships, and we need those within the relation within the industry. I know I'm getting on before having to here. Yeah, we it's good the industry, right? We need our young drivers and our old drivers to be able to communicate. Those who be uh, you know got experience have a lot to give the uh, the young drivers out on the road. The young drivers, although they may be more inexperienced on the road, they have a lot to offer the new drivers. And there is a disconnect there these days. I've seen it all the time, right? Um, you know, I'm in a lot of these trucking groups on Facebook and LinkedIn, and I see all the time, you're not a real trucker if. And it's usually pointing at the younger generation or the younger generation pointing at the old. Instead of coming together and saying, hey, how can we make this a better environment for all of us? So anyway, that's, my, that's my rant. If I can just, if I can just, uh, just really quickly add to that too. Um, in t- for those, for those uh, drivers out there who maybe uh, technology um, isn't necessarily your, um, you know, your your forte, or you know, you're kind of a little bit intim- intimidated at the prospect of, you know, learning new technology. A lot of ELD providers are are aware, and I would say have created their uh, product. Um, thinking about who the end user is going to be. Um, and there are some really great uh, products out there. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see who is um, accredited, but there are a lot of great products out there. And, and what I would actually say is once you actually learn to how to use the ELD, um, firstly, when you learn how to use it, there's not a ton that's going to actually change, right? It's not like you're going to have to learn something different every day. But once you actually learn how to use it, I think a lot of drivers will find it actually makes their life a lot easier. And actually, it's far simpler to do um, and to adhere to doing your logbooks um, than actually doing them via paper. So yeah, just to your, your what you said there, Josh, there are a lot of... Um, um, companies out there where they actually do provide the training as part of their implementation package so that drivers feel confident uh, going into using them, uh, knowing kind of how, you know, how to kind of uh, how they work. And, you know, there's been a lot of um, app-based 
um, ELDs out there to date. And if anyone has uh, experience of, of using those, um, it's not too much of a jump from that. But I honestly do believe that um, it will make your life a lot easier and actually will probably be easier to do than, uh, than when you were keeping a paper log. Awesome. Completely agree. And yeah, again, thank you for being very honest on your thoughts because it is a, to some, it's a touchy subject. And I think those, everything that you guys have explained are things that need to be discussed more in depth, uh, more publicly. So that way our industry has confidence in what we're getting into. And yeah, I know the accreditation part's still underway. Um, but yeah, I think we just have to trust those that are empowered to make good decisions and then we can continue to um, enlighten and empower our industry by just viewing it a little differently here and there. So um, just kind of in closing on um, today's episode, Charlotte, you mentioned, and if you want to talk about it, Kyle, you can too, but on the IFTRA pro rate side, um, I think that's a really untalked about opportunity too. I, I actually never thought of that. So that's, that's smart. So is that something that you guys are focused on helping carriers with too? And if so, if you wanted to kind of elaborate on that, as well as what other um, services that you do offer to our industry and, and what locations are you Alberta specific, BC, Alberta, where do you, because Kyle mentioned out in Halifax. So if you wanted to kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, if your prairie is uh, something we focus on, we actually provide full circle solutions to clients. So right from, you know, you're um, a new operator, you're wanting to get into the business, uh, right up into, you know, to uh, clients where, um, you know, we um, help them, you know, we you know, set up and maintain um, their national safety code programs, um, you know, maintain the administrative side of things, so the driver and the vehicle files. Um, we, you know, provide the training um, as well as, you know, the carrier profile monitoring, uh, logbook monitoring. Um, but yes, if and Prairie is a big part of what we do because sometimes as a carrier, you can find that that just takes up so much of your time. And one of the things that we really strive to do is, you know, we recognize that as a business owner, you wear a lot of hats. And sometimes taking care of those things which are really important, like your insurance or your accounting or your safety compliance, sometimes can take you away from the reason you got into business in the first place. And so what we do is we kind of take over part of that so that, you know, the safety compliance and the IFTRA and prorate reporting um, so that you can kind of get back to focusing what I call your zone of genius. You know, the, the thing that makes you good at what you do, the reason why you got into business in the first place. Um, and so, you know, very often, you know, we, you know, we, what we say is, you know, it's no one person can bring everything to the table, but with us, you are working with a team of experts, often our cost is lower than if you were employing one individual um, who is able to look after these various aspects um, of your compliance and your operation, which allows you to focus on um, going to that next level in business. I found early on when, uh, when I started consulting, um, the two biggest pain points for uh, carriers was one, of course, uh, insurance rates, right? But also two was that uh, they didn't have time and they didn't really know how to run a proper NSC program. It hadn't been talked about as much. And they would hire someone and someone would come in there to kind of do a fly-by-night, right? Come in, pass them a bunch of documents, say, follow this, have fun with this. You got to have this, 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 that, and the other. And we'll see you later. And I want my check for, you know, a billion dollars. And, um, well, I would love to be a billionaire as well. Um, I saw that there was a lot more opportunity uh, to go in and really guide and help carriers, right? So that they, they know the process. So they can... Uh, uh, so they can really, really handle the process. And so what we did is we set up a program where uh, we work with you, you know, and it not, it's not always indefinitely. Sometimes it's until uh, you, you can take it on yourself. Sometimes it's, uh, uh, you know, for six months or a year. But the idea is we're coming in there, we're taking a look at your safety and maintenance program to start off. Not only are we going through it uh, to make sure it meets legislative requirements, maybe we're creating you a new one. And we're also creating it a bit more suited to your specific industry because transportation is such a wide broad umbrella, right? Uh, at that point, we're going through your driver's files. And again, depending what, what province you're in, right? As we said, the, you know, there are 
different things, different variables, right? Um, so we're going through saying, okay, this is missing. This is, this is what we need to get. Can we collect this? Can we help uh, create this, right? And what I mean by not going back and breaking the law or creating anything that, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about simple things like resumes, right? Um, three-year work histories, right? Uh, things like that that have to be about training, right? Do they not have the proper training on file? So of course we have our own platform now where Charlotte and I have, uh, it's not a $20 million, uh, uh, you know, uh, presentation, right? Hasn't won any Hollywood awards, but you know, it's, it's a decent enough, uh, training setup that we've gone ahead and, uh, you know, we've, we presented our own training. We would do it in a classroom on, on video, right. Where they take the tests, they get the certifications and they're doing it online. So that now, uh, and now when a company hires a new driver, they don't immediately have to hire someone to come in classroom, you know, do the classroom training. They don't have to immediately uh, uh, go on to biz trainer and pay $400 per driver, right? They can get it uh, as part of their the monthly package that we're helping them with, right? They can get it from us, right? We're going through their vehicle files, doing the same thing. We are sending out reminders saying, hey guys, we're checking out your, your, your maintenance fly, your CDEPs coming up. Did you know that, right? Which we're working with their uh, their mechanics, if they've got mechanics on staff. If not, uh, if not, um, we're helping them find uh, shops that we know are going to provide the best quality service, right? We are essentially taking a look at the carrier profile and looking at what's their risk rating at, right? Why is it there? What patterns can we see within the carrier profile month to month? What extra training do the drivers need? Why are they being put out of service for things the drivers are supposed to catch immediately uh, or on their on-road inspections, right? What training do those drivers need and how can how can we make this better so that uh, in the long run, uh, the risk rating goes down? Because as you know, risk rating goes up too high. You get put on monitoring, right? You get put on monitoring. Uh, you know, you can wind up with an audit. Your, your, your status can go down to conditional, not... Uh, you, know, you miss out on all sorts of opportunities like different permits. Uh, you miss out on opportunities uh, like insurance rates. We've got uh, one gentleman who was just dying with their uh, their insurance rates. And after uh, after we, we, we helped set up his program, uh, and with him, we only go in once a year and we just go through his stuff and we help, uh, you know, help his company kind of keep on top. He's got his own staff. But, you know, in the end, it's... It saved him thousands of dollars in insurance. He's able to get off of facility insurance and go back to a normal, uh, you know, uh, insurance program. And and he's always been able to stay off now for three years. And we just kind of keep that that guidance. So we're always there to try and talk, you know, with our um, with our with our clients. And we realize insurance is also a big big portion of this as well. So of course, again, we're also monitoring logs. Um, one thing I'd like to state quickly about logs, right, and ELDs is a lot of a lot of drivers, a lot of carriers seem to think that they have an ELD system. That means that they're no longer going to have to monitor logs, right? And that's, you know, it's a legislative requirement to be monitoring your logs if you're a federal carrier. And they think that that, that does it for them essentially, oh, that's perfect. I'm not going to have any more issues with my logs. That is the farthest thing from the truth. You still need a human being going through those logs, right? Verifying them with different documents, making sure that um, your drivers are, are still staying within their hours. So I think, Charlotte, you had something you want to add to this as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, um, particularly when you're a business owner, you can see the field, you can look at all of the requirements, you know, in the field of safety. And it can seem enormous, right? And sometimes, you know, it just seems like it's it's, it's too much paperwork. But really, you know, safety is a necessary part of business, just like having your books and doing your books and your accounting is a necessary part of business, like insurance is a necessary part of your business. Um, and what people don't necessarily realize is when you when your safety program is leveraged in the right way, it can actually save you money. Not only that, it can, not only that, it can actually put you out ahead of your competition. It can improve driver retention. Um, it can essentially open doors um, that may not have opened to, to you previously. And so, really, the one thing that we always say is, you know, quote unquote, being safe is really just the beginning. You know, safety um, starts with you know being safe 
you know, uh, making sure that, you know, as part of your uh, public responsibility to the community at large, you know, making sure that you are operating in a safe way. But ultimately, there's so many avenues that you can take it and in so many different ways that it can benefit you um, as an operation. And, you know, as, as we said earlier, you know, one of the kind of what we focus on is, you know, you, you're in the driver's seat and we just keep you there. So awesome. And as everyone listening can hear, there is a lot of things that you need to be perfect on or as close to perfect as possible to reap the benefits. And yeah. again, that's why Kyle and Charlotte continue to be my go-to. Um, it's really nice just being able to ask like a weird question, like, hey, how do you perceive this? Or what is your thoughts on that? Or can you just give me guidance on this? Because that's, again, I like relying on my experts to sound intelligent because <laughs> I learned a long time ago, you don't want to guess. <laughs> so... No, I really appreciate it. Um, just kind of in closing, were there any final thoughts you had? And also, how can people get in contact with you guys? Yeah, yeah for so, sure. So, yeah, come. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to actually quickly uh, uh, jump in and say, you know, one thing we could leave off the list, and I don't usually talk about it too much, but is, uh, is CT pad, right? And how that fits in with... Um, with human trafficking a little bit, right? So I don't know if you wanted to kind of yeah. So um, you know, one of the things that we work with carriers on is application for CTPAT. Um, if you are a cross border carrier and you are going down into the US, um, cargo security is um, a really important um, part of your operation. And CTPAT is essentially a designation in which you're able to satisfy uh, US border and customs that your load is secure. That means nobody has put anything on um, your load, but also that, you know, there's, there aren't individuals potentially who have been um, smuggled on board without your knowledge. Um, and so, you know, that is something that we help um, carriers uh, work towards getting. But also on the other side to that, um, human trafficking is something which um, I think people in our industry are becoming more and more aware of. Um, and certainly, you know, raising the, the profile in that area um, is something that in the future, that that's the direction that we're moving towards in terms of, you know, bringing um, industry um, knowledge to it, you know, bringing the industry's attention to it. Um, but ultimately, yeah, CTPAT, if you are going, uh, you know, down into the US, being able to show that you have a secure load, um, again, certainly will save you time um, at border crossings. That's awesome. And yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, that's also something that we, um, I'd say collectively, we're very um, passionate on and something that Charlotte will definitely speak on more and more just as we do more of these type of interviews, um, which I think is awesome because as we were talking about before we were recording, there's things that you have to have in place. Absolutely. There's legislation demanding it. And then there's the necessities of life. And we can all agree. And I think everyone listening can agree. Protecting people is our number one priority. And that's essentially why we are in these businesses is to actually protect people. And when someone's vulnerable, someone got manipulated, there's lots of different things that happened for human trafficking to occur to protect people that at that point feel like they can't protect themselves is so important. And there's some really cool associations doing some great work that, again, Charlotte will touch on. I'm most likely on a different episode. And yeah, we just wanted to spotlight that is a, it's of most importance. And it's really exciting for me to hear and learn that ARTC is going to be putting a lot of um, focus on that in the very near future, because A, it's a necessity. It's so important. Um, but yeah, we all have the opportunity to help. And I think, yeah, it's just like the board behind me always says, keep it simple, save a life. And it sure. honestly is just being aware. So yeah, I'm really excited just to, to learn more, um, to see more and to be involved more. Um, and I know like, just collectively, um, there's a lot of really good companies in Alberta that as that becomes more of a focus, uh, more attentions on it, that's again being led by good organizations, I think, yeah, we'll really be able to see a change in there too. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, awesome. And yeah, for anybody that wants to connect with us, uh, there's a, a number of ways you can connect with us. Um, you can connect with us by email at info at artcompliance.ca. Um, you can reach us by phone at 780-910-8399. Um, you can get us at com, And we're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So LinkedIn is Kyle May, TPA, um, and Facebook is NSC um, Compliance. That's awesome. And I'll make sure I include all of your contact details, socials, everything on the, in the show notes. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. So just again, thank you so much for taking the time. It is a Sunday. 
Um, but yeah, I think everyone listening now can see a clear picture of who is my experts. It's ARTC, Kyle and Charlotte. And I say that with all humility, no fluff. It's just, yeah, thank you very much for being on today. I appreciate well, it. You're fantastic. And, and honestly, Josh, you, uh, uh, you're, you're great. Your knowledge is vast as well. So it's Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for thank having you. us. Well, friends, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen, as I hope today's episode brought amazing value for you. If this is the first time that you've ever listened to the Truck Focus podcast, I just wanted to say thanks. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast channel to ensure you're notified of all of our upcoming episodes. To all of our dedicated listeners, thank you. This journey has been incredible so far, and it honestly is because of all of your support and encouragement that you've shown along the way. And as I like to say, the greater the following, the greater the impact. And because of you, our impact is growing across the transportation sector. As always, if you found value in today's episode, I do encourage you to share with others in your network that you believe would receive value from listening. Your support means so much. So the Truck Focus podcast is brought to you by Pivotal Transportation Industry Solutions, a company focused on connecting transportation industry leaders to the industry to help create a pivotal change. To learn more about the Truck Focus podcast, please visit the show notes. You can connect with us on social, visit our website, sign up to our monthly newsletter, and so much more. If you do happen to visit our website, I encourage you to check out the Truck Focus blog, learn more about our industry strategic partners, view our online training, and more. Furthermore, if you have a question or a topic that you would like to be discussed or reviewed in a future episode, feel free to send me an email. I've, I've also included my email in the show notes. So I just wanted to say thank you so much again for taking the time to listen to the Truck Focus podcast, where again, our goal is simple. We want to connect industry leaders to the industry to help create a pivotal change. I hope you have a safe day and let's create a pivotal impact.